Okay, everybody, Doug here, solo in the studio, and I just want to do a quick podcast on 2011's uh, Source Code, directed by Duncan Jones. Uh, This is a very taut and compact movie that manages to do quite a lot with a fairly limited premise. Uh, For those who haven't seen it, uh, the movie um, involves Jake Gyllenhaal waking up on a train, uh, ostensibly in somebody else's body. Uh, The train uh, is heading towards to Chicago. He meets a variety of people, most notably Michelle Monaghan, with whom he has a sort of unspecified relationship, perhaps bordering on a romantic one. Uh, He doesn't recognize anyone around him, although people recognize him. And then the train explodes in a fiery catastrophe uh, as it enters Chicago. He wakes up in a sort of capsule of sorts and is told uh, by Vera Farmiga, who he cannot see, but he can hear that he is a soldier on a mission and through a miraculous technology that they term the source code, they are able to implant Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Stephen Coulter, in the body of someone who died on the train and relive the last eight minutes of his life. In doing so, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is able to inhabit this person's body, and through a poorly explained uh, mechanism, he is able to have independent movement and thought in the eight minutes before the train is blown up, during which time... Um, the military wants him to try to run around the train and figure out who is behind the bombing. Um, this sort of sets up our time loop where we see uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, Stephen Coulter, uh, repeat, sorry, Coulter Stevens repeat uh, the eight minutes over and over and over again, essentially trying to get a little further and a little deeper into the story each time to the point where he can ultimately figure out who is behind the bombing. Um, we are given to find out that the bombing is uh, the prelude to a much larger dirty bomb explosion in Chicago later that day. It doesn't really make sense why the terrorist would try to do two bombings the same day, but it's just a mechanism to give the, uh, the characters impetus to try to stop a bigger plot. The film essentially stars four people. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, again, is the star playing Coulter Stevens. And this is sort of, at least for me, I think the last time that we see young boyish Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, I think myself um, included and many of us uh, became first acquainted with Jake Gyllenhaal from his role in October Sky, uh, where he's very young. And this is sort of the last time we see that. And I think after this, he both takes on more adult roles and plays them in a more adult manner. But again, here he's very much playing a young man. Michelle Monaghan, uh, who I think uh, many people know from Mission Impossible 3, I believe, as well as other films, plays Christina, his love interest in the film. Uh, she's got a little bit of a challenging part in that she's every eight minutes uh, she has to have things explained to her because she's just existing in the source code, at least in the beginning of the film, and she never knows really what's going on, and she's sort of along for the ride with him. But she does a good job of being uh, his opposite number, I think. Vera Farmiga plays uh, our uh, Nellis Air Force uh, officer, Colleen Goodwin. She's, I think, known to just about everyone by now. I think that somewhere between The Departed uh, and Up in the Air, half the men in the country, um, myself included, kind of fell in love with her, and she's very, very good in this role. She she filmed her whole part, I read, in just a few days because she was pregnant and didn't have time for a bigger role. So you really only see her 
uh, pretty much uh, filmed through uh, a webcam, largely, or, or its equivalent. And then Jeffrey Wright plays uh, the eponymous Dr. Rutledge, who is the sort of technical genius behind the entire source code project. Uh, he is his, uh, largely a foreshadowing of his character and the way that he was going to be portrayed in Westworld. Um, it's not really made clear how many other people are engaged in this project besides uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Do they have many other soldiers that they're trying to use in this way, or is he really the first one or the only one that's alive right now? The episode is essentially a Twilight Zone episode writ large and expanded out to a 90-minute time frame. It plays with the time loop concept in the sense that we see Jake Gyllenhaal's character going back onto the train again and again and again and again. Um, the movie handles this well. The, the actual times you see them go back don't really last eight minutes. Sometimes they're much shorter. Sometimes they're close to eight minutes, but they're not exactly eight minutes. But they do it in a way that you get a visual shorthand so that you know exactly where in the eight minutes that we've seen over and over you are so that you can stay with the storyline and move with it as uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character figures out a little bit more each time and tries different permutations to try to stop the bombing. It's interesting that this is considered a time loop movie because they're not actually traveling in time. Uh, they're really in some sort of virtual reality world in a computer uh, for events that have already taken place. Vera Farmiga's character, uh, Colleen Goodwin, and Dr. Rutledge are living in the real world, and they are moving forward in a linear progression in their timeline. Um, it's Again, I mentioned this, I think, earlier. It's not really made clear how... Jake Gyllenhaal can go back into the, the dead person's brain and eight, live his last eight minutes, yet have independent movement and thought in the dead guy's body. Like I said, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but it works much better for the film. Um, the movie looks very good. Duncan Jones has a great visual eye. Um, and from the the scenes of Chicago from the air to the scenes aboard the train to the scenes at Nellis Air Force Base where the source code project is based, um, it looks good throughout. The movie has a very, very clean style, which I personally like. Uh, the camera work is very uh, spare, and, and there's not a sense of a lot of over-the-top or unnecessarily dramatic shots. There's a little bit of that, but they do it in a way that works well for the scenes at the time. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you can't talk about this movie without talking about time loop uh, in cinema. I mean, this is something that we've seen many, many times in the movies and television. Um, since this is a movie, um, I was most reminded of, uh, obviously, Groundhog Day, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which came after this, 1201, uh, Primer, and Run, Lola, Run. Uh, there's lots of other examples of time loops in films, but these are the ones that I was very much thinking about uh, while I was watching this. On the television side of thing, um, really obviously, most notably, Doctor Who uh, has had many episodes that deal with time loops. Uh, Star Trek and its various incarnations also deals with time loops, um, more so in some of the later episodes of Star Trek, but again, they did it early on as well. And the, the one you can't ignore here is uh, Quantum Leap, which has a very similar conceit of going uh, somehow and traveling back in time and inhabiting somebody else's body, yet being able to affect events while you're inhabiting that body. Um, so much so that Scott Bakula, who is the star of Quantum Leap, has a small cameo in this role as uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character's father, who when he is in the source code, he makes a telephone call to. 
Um, it's also, uh, as I have to point out, it's a, it's a Star Trek tie-in because uh, Scott Bakula, of course, played Captain Archer in Star Trek Enterprise. The movie um, escalates to its climax during which time the Jake Gyllenhaal character is able to identify um, and largely stop, I'm not giving anything away, this is a 2011 movie, um, the terrorist who is uh, attempting to carry out not just the train bombing but also a dirty bomb attack on Chicago. We don't get to know the terrorist very much and it actually doesn't matter. He's really just meant to be... um, a mechanism for Jake Gyllenhaal's character to have his adventure in the time stream. Um, the movie, I think, breaks down at the end because we're explicitly told that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is inhabiting some sort of a computer program, virtual reality of the memories of a dead person. Yet we are explicitly shown that he is able to uh, reach outside of the source code, i.e. he calls his father or he sends an email to Vera Farmiga. And then most dramatically, uh, he is able to uh, live beyond the eight minutes in the dead person's memory uh, at the end of the film. And through a, a little bit of a sleight of hand uh, or fuzzy logic, we are told that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character uh, and the Michelle Monaghan character are now inhabiting some sort of alternate reality. Um, Vera Farmiga's character is shown getting the email uh, and not having any knowledge of the events that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is describing because they were able, in fact, to avoid the bomb explosion, which led to the whole uh, source code program that led to Jake Gyllenhaal going back. There's a little bit of busyness in there uh, as well about Michelle Monaghan uh, terminating Jake Gyllenhaal's body in his original universe now that he's inhabiting a better reality in the alternate universe. Um, so, like I said, the the ending, I think, left a lot of people perhaps scratching their heads or wondering exactly what happened, but you could also imagine that they were kind of stuck with the rules that they had created and, and the, the setup that unless they somehow bent the logic and had a little bit of a Dorothy clicks her heels three times ending, uh, they can't really resolve the plot in a way that is at least uh, happy or satisfying for the audience. Um, There's not a lot of special effects that are overt in this movie. There's a lot of shots of the train, and there's a little bit of CG here and there. Uh, But most of it takes place on sets. Uh, The train set looks very good. Uh, You get a sense that the train is moving, even though I'm sure it's just a a set on a soundstage somewhere. There's one fantastic uh, special effects shot when you see what Jake Gyllenhaal actually looks like in the actual real world that I won't give away if you haven't seen it, but it's among the most striking moments in the entire film. Um, Overall, I I like this movie. I think many people may have forgotten about it. It's essentially a B movie. I mean, it's uh, it's not uh, an enormous story. It's a very small focus story. The film largely focuses on four people with a lot of other actors having very small parts in it. Um, And as such, um, it doesn't really have the scale or the scope of a a level A film or a level A sci-fi film. But I think it actually works better being a smaller movie. I had seen this in 2011 when it came out, and I had enjoyed it, and then I kind of largely forgot about it. Um, It's playing on Delta this month, and I happened to be flying cross-country earlier this week, and I was thumbing through the seemingly endless films and the the Delta um, 
uh, you know, screen on the seat back in front of me, and I came across source code and watched it again, uh, having not thought about it since I originally saw it, and really enjoying it actually more, I think, on round two than I had on round one. So much so that I went to see if there was a, a tie-in novelization or an original source novel, no pun intended, uh, that this was based on. It actually turns out that there kind of isn't. Um, so uh, unless I missed it, if I'm wrong, somebody let me know at popcorndrinkcombo at gmail.com. Uh, but, uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, this is sort of a one shot. So, uh, it's a good thing, I guess, if they leave you wanting more. Anyway, I will wrap there. Um, again, this may be something you missed or maybe something you saw and forgot about like I did. And it's definitely worth a relook. And again, if you're flying this month, it is on, uh, Delta. I have no connection with Delta. That's not a plug, but I did watch this on Delta, uh, just this week in November of 2018. We will be back next week with a full uh, Doug and Peter Theater podcast. Thanks, everybody.